Thank you for listening to episode six of the Kindness Rebellion. In this episode, I have a conversation with Mariah Goodale, uh, a friend I have not seen in a very long time. We have a fantastic conversation about science, philosophy, and other theoretical aspects of the universe. She's currently studying biology at the University of Utah and also works at the hospital there. Um, We talk about life and death and other really deep conversations that I'm really excited for you to hear about. Uh, Please like or share the podcast or do whatever it is that you do to show me that you like it. Thanks again. Awesome. For so real. Now it begins. Yeah, now it begins. Okay, cool. Now we're beginning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on yeah, this. I really appreciate it. Um, it was super fun to just like see you post something that was really deep and like philosophical and also engage with me on it. Yeah. Um, if you actually kind of, because that's kind of what started you even wanting to come on the podcast at all. Yeah, true. Do you want to just start there? From my post that I made? Yeah, 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 the Dawkins quote and everything. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember the Dawkins quote. Don't but... worry. No, you have to have it, like, word for word. Otherwise, Yeah, it's otherwise all... it's, <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we'll just paraphrase, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, it was about um, the Library of Babel. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's like this fun thing for like hard thinkers to just explore your mind and like Mm. a philosophical entity. So it's a library Mm -hmm. theoretically. Yes. And if you were to walk into this library, there's infinite number of books Mm -hmm. and the books are comprised of infinite number of combinations of our alphabet, including commas, spaces, like punctuation, all of that is included. And um, if this were to actually exist, then most of the books would just be gibberish. Yeah, okay. Because okay. not every combination is going to make sense. Yeah, or have meaning. Right. But on the other end of that, you could eventually find your book, the book of your life. Oh, Because with okay. infinite combinations of words and numbers and punctuation, there's obviously going to be the book of your life. Okay. Like, step by step. And not yeah. only would there be the book of your life, there would be... Um, different timelines of the book of your life. So if you were to drink water instead of milk, that would be Uh a different book. Oh my God. So every choice you make would also be a different book. That's insane. Yeah. Is it most, because I I Googled it essentially. Yeah. And it came across like a digital library that was like created to kind of try and, you know, create that, I guess. Yeah. Um, So is it pretty much just trying to simulate like a multiverse or something like that? Yeah, it's kind of like exploring... Um, deep concepts through limitless possibilities. Oh my god! So if everything's possible, then mm-hmm. you can like everything is yeah, real. Everything is real. <laughs> I kind that's. I think that was what was so interesting about it to me, um, just from the very little bit of research I did on it. Is um, I mean, I went into that little digital library and I typed in like "Tale of a Dragon" or something like that, and it yeah. was like your your search yielded like four thousand results oh, or wow. something yeah. like that. But I didn't think of it as like. Um, it, eventually you'd come up with the story of your life yeah. in infinite number of like scenarios right. or whatever. It's kind of, it makes me think of that. You ever heard that saying is like, oh, if you gave, you know, a million monkeys 
typewriters and they just pounded on it for a billion years eventually they'd you know create the universe or create shakespeare or something like that that's almost what it sounds like to me it's exactly like that okay yeah and i thought what was kind of cool about it is that you made a little comment that said like our lives are essentially like arbitrary yeah or that they're there's so many magnitudes of possibilities that include everything else but our life that it's almost like I can see how it makes us feel insignificant. Yeah. So that's where I really found it interesting because that was something that I actually really, um, I don't know, I kind of struggled with. I I had hit this point specifically after leaving Mormonism Mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, so obviously this this curated and... um, whatever I'd call it this curated yes this curated story yeah. of our the universe and our lives is kind of bullshit yeah and it, it's like it's absolutely yeah. like obviously nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about right. so I kind of just did a full like overcorrection. I was just like oh like everything is just mechanical nothing matters mm-hmm. and and it kind of reached this point I was like oh I'm wholly insignificant yeah you know <laughs> and so I kind of liked your your analysis on that and saying how we're, our lives are kind of arbitrary. And I wanted to kind of see what you meant by that and what that, like what you think about that. Yeah. So I, it's a funny thought for me because it actually gives me peace knowing mm. that I, I'm arbitrary. Yeah. Because then I don't owe anything to anybody except for myself. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of people get caught up in like, what's my purpose here? What do I need to like focus on in my life? And I've come to the conclusion that the only thing that matters is what you think matters Mm. because why else, why the fuck else would anything, anybody else's opinion matter? Yeah. You know, because your existence is how you perceive it. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're having a good time pursuing life, love, pursuit of happiness, you know, all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, then your existence was complete. Okay. Because it's all about experience. I like that because I've, I've sort of started to see where, because I, I, like I was saying, I was sort of positioned on either absolutely nothing matters or everything in my experience matters. Yeah. And it was like kind of just like swapping between the two rather than accepting that kind of they're both happening at the same they time. They do. They're right? simultaneous for sure. Yeah. And I like that because, I mean, because I had a conversation with someone one time where I was like, do you believe that there is any overarching meaning at all? Like, do you think that there is meaning to the universe, meaning to our lives at all? Or sorry, existence at yeah. all? And they're sort of like, no, but we create meaning. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's how I feel too. Because especially from a biology standpoint, the more I've learned about biology, the more I realize none of us matter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way? <laughs> yeah, in a great way because... I took this ecology class recently, which is basically about saving species Mm -hmm. from going extinct. Yeah. And at the end of the class, after like learning about global warming and like overfishing and all the things that were, Mm. how we're ruining the earth. Yeah. I asked my instructor, I was like, why do we care? Because technically every species overindulges in some aspect. Yeah. And we overindulge in a ton of aspects. And Mm the end result is we go extinct and that's mm-hmm. just seems fair to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, why do we care that we keep it going? Okay. I think that's a really good analysis there. Cause like you're right. I think we, we try to say like humans have to like, Oh, we're destroying the earth. And like, that means we're destroying the universe almost yeah. just cause we're destroying our own experience of the world. But yeah. you're right. Essentially a lot of these species, like 
will devour and consume the whatever environment they're in until yeah. they go extinct because they have no resources yeah. left. I think where I differ, though, is I think humans are super unique in the sense that we actually have the ability to care and have, like, compassion for our environment. Um, and specifically through my experience on mushrooms, to feel like a part of the environment. Yeah. I think that's something weird that's happened is we we kind of evolved in a way that we felt separate from nature yeah and like we're here to conquer nature when whoa jesus christ i have ever seen in my (laughs) my entire life look at its ass it's It's like it's satan (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that was the weirdest bug i've ever seen thank god it left us alone yeah holy shit i've never felt so away from nature than in that moment (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so funny it ties right into it, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, like, <laughs> and I, I think that there is something to be said for that, though, because we, we really, we came out of nature. We evolved yeah. from nature, right. right? And all of the things that we think are completely separate from nature, like this phone yeah. and, like, these clothes, we sourced from nature. Yeah. So I think humans have a very unique position and standing where we actually sort of are custodians of this earth where we i think we have the capability to instead of consuming and you know just annihilating the earth for our own individual gain we actually have the capabilities of like loving the earth and seeing it as a part of ourselves that we can maintain and like and exist on for a longer period of time well that's the thing that's funny for me is i just i'm it's funny because people want to side with humanity and with nature Mm. and I'm very much just on the side of inevitability Mm. and I care about just the evolution of time like who cares Mm. if we're still here after maybe we will annihilate the earth and then new species form from it that's just the story of the world so I don't mind mm -hmm. if we destroy it because it's just a new chapter of the story of the universe okay and there's definitely like there's a lot of wisdom in that because even if we somehow build utopia and save the earth and le- learn to live in complete harmony with it, yeah. there could be events in the universe that just <laughs> annihilate earth. It yeah. <laughs> just like explode yeah. this rock that we're it's on. True. So I think there's value in that. I This is where I kind of get to the question of meaning again. Yeah. Because um, for me, when I'm sitting here like uh, whatever happens, happens and like... I don't care if this earth that I love gets destroyed because it's probably going to get destroyed anyways. Um, For me, it's like a quick spiral down to nihilism where I'm just like, well, why don't I just like blow my brains out right here? You know? Yeah. So I'm wondering how, how do you like mitigate that? Do you, do you even feel that way? Or is it just kind of like a, do you sort of already have like a peace with that where you can say Um, it's okay? Yeah. I found peace in uh, the limited amount of time of perceiving our reality Mm. so i believe that when we die maybe our reality is going to be completely different maybe we're not even conscious who Mm. really cares can i change it no so why should i worry about it Mm. you just have to make peace with the fact that it's out of your hands yeah and if the world gets destroyed it's honestly not on me yeah That's true. You're so, not the one pushing the big red exactly. button, right? <laughs> I'm just like living. I'm having a good time here. I'm not getting caught up in the dumb shit that people mm-hmm. say matters that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I put my meaning in more than just the earth. I put okay. my meaning in 
like the energy of the universe. Mm -hmm. That's way more important than this dumb rock we're floating on behind mm -hmm. the sun. Like that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's so much more to it and there's so much more we don't understand. And the fact that we think we know anything at all is laughable. I, that's, that's a good point. Like we really do have such a very limited knowledge. And I even think that there's a lot of things that we can also never know. Oh like, yeah, for sure. And um, I can see what you're saying. There's, there's this strong affinity for me to this little rock behind That's the sun, okay. you know? There should be. I think so, too. But, because, I don't know, it, like, it actively harms me in ways to, like, see us just consuming in ways that is, like, active, actively destroying the planet when we can be better. Oh, for sure. You know? And especially when, when I look at what our systems are doing... Um, specifically in the destruction of the earth. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, we're destroying the earth to like actually better humanity. Like right. I think we're actually feeding the most negative aspects of humanity. Mm. Greed, selfishness. Yeah. Um, money. Money, yeah. <laughs> like money, And man. just like excessive consumption yeah. to the point that we're just really trying to, we're trying to distract ourselves from this like awful feeling of alienation doom. and yeah. doom. Yeah. But what I've found is being in nature and like learning to love this planet has helped me feel like, Oh, I'm a part of something. Yeah. Um, I can make my actions matter. And that, that has like significant meaning for me, I guess. Yeah. And then I'm able to see that value that. And then hopefully, you know, build a world where people are not like in a state of crisis and stuff. Cause you know, we're pretty lucky here in America Yeah. Um, true. in certain aspects. Right. Um, and then there's other people on the world in part of the world that are just, you know, complete absolute poverty, just destitute or and things like controlled, that. Controlled like Cuba or where controlled, they don't, have, yes. don't even have control where they live. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there there's definitely things I think that we can just do as a as a world together to be better. Yeah. Um, and while I totally understand the viewpoint of like we're a teeny tiny rock in an ever expanding like vacuum yeah it's just like <laughs> absolutely like a good description nothing matters <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but like we also have because we keep oscillating between um everything is so big and nothing matters to our lives are the only thing that matters right so like yeah. uh, i think there's ways that we can slowly improve that yeah and uh and find meaning enough to make positive changes in our lives oh right? for sure yeah, and I think even with my standpoint of, like, who cares if the world burns? Yeah. <laughs> I still find myself getting, like, eco products and, mm -hmm. you know, reducing my consumption because it does feel good to care. Yeah. And it feels good to feel like you contributed to something mm -hmm. better. Um, so, yeah, I still have... And I'm a biologist. Of course, yeah. I care about the species. Exactly, here. I love right? them. Like, they're great. They're You're fun to learn about. You're fascinated by it. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it. So... Yeah, it's sad the polar bears are dying, but mm -hmm. that's evolution, you know? That's interesting. It's like, I feel like, I do feel like humans as a species have to bear more responsibility than just like, oh, it's evolution. You know what I mean? Um, specifically with the polar bears, I guess. <laughs> just like where we're like, <laughs> where we're like, you know, actively creating so much carbon emissions, melting the ice caps and doing all that shit. Yeah. And it's like, I guess this is where my spiel often gets overused and I, I don't want to like dive into it too much but like our capitalist society is really not concerned with um preserving anything other than capital and yeah. you know consumption and yeah, greed and true. so 
I, that's where I'm like, we can choose to preserve better things. Yeah. We can choose to preserve things like kindness, our environment, like our fucking food and water yeah. sources, making sure we can God, actually have the things. water, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but in that vein, I think it's, I think it's healthy to see, to not be like in an absolute state of panic. Like, oh my God, the world is on fire. Like everything is bad. Everything is bad. I'm constantly anxious about all the shit that I cannot do anything about. Yeah. Um, because whatever will happen happens, right? Yeah. Uh, this guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of Terrence McKenna, Mm-mm. but he, he said this thing and he's like, people, people often find it hard to determine whether I'm an optimist or a, a pessimist. Uh, and he says he's the biggest optimist you'll ever meet because he's like, I don't think that anything wrong has happened. I don't think anything wrong is happening and whatever will happen will happen. <gasps> oh my God. I love him. Yes. <laughs> There's there's just a quiet like solitude of just like it's basking it's in the chaos. Happening. Yes, it's basking in the yeah. chaos. That's what I live by. Okay. Bask in the chaos that's, because that's awesome. It's all you can do. Like, yeah, shit's gonna happen around you. Mm-hmm. If we run out of water, it's what's inevitable. Then we have happen. to deal with it, right? And you just have to bask and find your own happiness with whatever's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, I agree with that's that. That's how I like to look at it. And of course, you can make changes to make things better mm-hmm. and help so that you can have water for longer. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, there's really only certain things we can focus on, right? Like, yeah. it's like, okay, so we got to make sure everyone's got food, water, and shelter. Yeah. And then some <laughs> other crazy things could happen that, you know, we'd just have to bask in that chaos. Yeah. Um, there's this other guy obsessed with, Russell Brand. Um, and he he says that we have to have, like, a relationship with chaos. Mm. And, I, and I like that you said that you're basking in the chaos. Because, yeah. like, too much of our society is terrified of disorder yeah. it's like no no no. it's, it's everything's got to be controlled and by the book and like we just have to try and micromanage everything yeah but i think we do have to learn how to bask in the chaos and to like build a relationship with chaos so that we can actually exist and i guess that really comes to being able to live in the present moment right yeah instead of constantly fearing about the future and uh, ruminating on the past well it's interesting that you said about like order mm-hmm. because it's actually unique to um, higher level thinking things, not even that like termites, for instance, also Mm -hmm. value order. Um, but the natural course of the universe is actually disorder. Mm. That's why your hair gets tangled. That's why your necklaces get messed up. I don't know a guy reference your clothes. I I don't know. (laughs) A guy is disorder. (laughs) I'm just uh, pure chaos embodied right now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But humans have made it like our mission to completely organize the universe. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, it's entropy. It's funny because chemistry relies on entropy. Yeah. Disorder. Because things decompose, they degrade, and then they react. I don't know. It's just interesting how you brought up order. Yeah. There's really too many variables for us to constantly try and meticulously line up. Well, it's always going to go back to disorder. Yes. Always. Yes. Because that's what the universe demands. And I wonder what our fascination with order is. I think it's... I kind of think it's a psychological thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We... There's this weird thing that happens in human psychology where an event happens and we have to say, I like that or I dislike that. Yeah. And so if we like it, we're like, okay, I want to make things more like that. I'm going to curate everything and build it up. Okay, it's got to stay like this. Yeah. If I dislike it, I got to do whatever I can to just ignore it or like fight it or whatever. Yeah. When there is no like or dislike in the, it's just, they're just events. Right. They're just things happening that we're placing meaning onto in terms of our like and dislike. And 
knowing that has been actually really, really helpful because anytime something crops up that feels like a problem to me, mm-hmm. I'm actually just say like, oh, this is just an event. This is yeah. something that's happening to me and I can actually experience it and feel like a sort of calmness instead of like, oh shit, I gotta hurry and fix everything <laughs> and immediately be anxious. So I think that's really valuable. Um, that reminds me of, have you seen What About Bob? Yes. Oh my God, that yes. reminds me of when the therapist is like, when Bob's like, they're just temporarily disconnected, like on the phone. <laughs> like he creates this metaphor to feel better. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it in so long. You'll have to remind me of this it's scene. It's really funny. It's funny. I don't remember the f- exact quote, but oh, you're just going to have to watch it. it. I'm a liar, obviously. <laughs> don't listen to me. It was just the way you were explaining it. It sounded like when he's like, this person's just temporarily disconnected. <laughs> It's that, really good. It's what you have to do, right? And, yeah. And is, I'm assuming he's just referring to a situation of, like, pure anxiety and intensity yeah, exactly. where you just have to be like, okay, I'm done with yeah, that. I can't, exactly. I can't engage Hang with that right phone. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's super it's super valuable. And I, I am kind of curious as to why we're so fixated on order when, like you said, everything's chaos. Well, it's interesting because um, what you said about likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. And how when you're on shrooms, you feel connected to the earth. Mm -hmm. When I do shrooms, I don't like or dislike anything. Mm. I see everything just for what it is instead of how I feel about it. That's such a peaceful feeling. It's the best. It's the best. Because then someone's like, oh, yeah, yellow's cool. And I'm like, yeah, it can be. It can be. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. It can be. That's how you feel about it. Whatever you want, man. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's awesome because like when I, I had a, I had tripped with my cousin for his first time yeah and at the beginning of it he was just like so afraid of everything like he'd see trees outside and they're like oh my god the trees are scary and I'm like why why, <laughs> why are they scary and yeah. he's like I don't know they're just scary and I was like you're thinking they're gonna attack you right now yeah but after a point he like kind of just the switch flipped and he's like oh he's like I kind of feel like when in Snow White when she's running through the forest and all the trees look scary yeah but then after I flip the switch on shrooms, I just see the tree hanging there with a piece of her clothing and it's just sitting there. Yeah. It just is. It's not trying to attack her or anything. Yeah. And, um, I like, I just, I think about that a lot because genius. Yeah. Because anytime we're really terrified of anything, we're really just like, I feel threatened. I like, this is going to hurt me. And it's just sitting there. It's just existing. It's just being, um, that's it's been something that's really good for me because I've always been a super anxious person. Um, and I was finally able to like relinquish that and just say, okay, everything just is, I can just do deal with things in the moment. As long as no one's actually stabbing me, like I'm right. probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. true. Yeah. It's that I have that same thought process too. I've, I'm also very anxious mm-hmm. and I have, um, a little bit of OCD. So mm-hmm. I want, things to be like how I want them to be yeah you know it's that order yeah or I'll just think about something and I have to fix it and Mm so I'm like well that's why I like doing shrooms so much because it makes me realize that things are fine where they are and how they are yes and I don't have to fix it because why is my way better yeah exactly (laughs) oh that's that's the key that people need to realize right otherwise they're just because uh, that's just a lot of ego driven. It is ego driven. <laughs> that's what mushrooms are good for. It's oh just my God, I killing love them. that e- They're ego. grounding. Yes. I'm really glad that uh, you have done mushrooms yes. and that uh, they've been well for you. Oh my God, I I'm love really, them. I'm really trying with this podcast um, to change how people see 
uh, illicit drugs, specifically mushrooms, mm -hmm. just because it's been so healing in my life. Yeah. Um, and I've been see I've seen how it's healing in other people's lives. But the problem is that it's just really easy to propagate like scary stories about mushrooms. And we grew up in a time when our government and the culture was just absolutely terrified of these substances yeah. that they really just knew nothing about. Reefer madness. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, and especially when you start to realize that it was like, it was all just f trying to fight a counterculture and impose yeah. will on people yeah. and then imprison. Like, manipulation. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think when people realize like, oh, everyone should just have the opportunity to decide what goes into their body mm -hmm. and what that does to them we're gonna end up a lot better as yeah. a species and as a people well i think we should look at drugs as how they affect society mm. it comes back to the constitution honestly where mm. you can't impede yourself on other people's rights yeah so if you're doing heroin and you find yourself in the middle of the road like playing out a broadway show yeah <laughs> then yeah that should probably be illegal <laughs> but mushrooms i don't know anybody who wants to be out around in a huge public place making a scene if anything mm -hmm. you want the opposite uh, you want to be like safe by yourself mm -hmm. reflective you know it's actually scary to have people come up to you so yeah i think i think it is as well in like a very um therapeutic and healing setting however it is very culturally like used as like for raves and stuff like that yeah i have no drug. idea how people do that I have no idea how people can just drop, take some mushrooms and be like, all right, let's go dance yeah. and like vibe. Cause it's just like, it, you're right. It's very reflective and kind of just overwhelming. And you're just like, I need to, I need to figure out what's going on in my head right now. Well, um, that's why you take shrooms is to figure out what's going yes. on in your head. People take shrooms to get what they want. I, and if they want to party, they're going to get that. That's a good point. And they'll take Molly too. Yeah. <laughs> All the drugs. <laughs> All the drugs. And then shrooms just gives you cool hallucinations I, while you're tripping on mommy. I guess that's the case, right? You, know, you get what you want, mm -hmm. and shrooms gives you what you need, regardless of what you want. But if you're in a party setting, what else can you do but then enjoy the party? That's true. You know? And if you're just... And, you know, if, if you're trying to use it for distraction, kind of like what you're yeah. saying, that's that's really what it's going to do for you. Yeah. I guess I've just... I've tried to use it for distraction before. And it was just like, nope. Yeah. You're, you're looking inward right now. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to figure your shit out. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I was like, oh, okay, this is more so a medicine to me mm -hmm. than it is a recreational drug. Yeah. Um, but even in terms of like heavy drugs like heroin, um, I, I just, I fundamentally question why we treat any sort of drug use as criminal. Yeah. When I think like... At, at its worst, it should always be a health concern, a mm -hmm. health problem, um, especially where I think addiction is such a, it's an interesting phenomenon in someone's life because what I've started to realize that addiction is for somebody is there's this substance that kind of is God to them. Mm. They're like, I cannot function in reality without this substance and I will put it above all other things and all other people. Mm. And and I think that's why we're starting to find out that the cure for addiction is connection. That's, yeah. So they're really trying to put people in communities where you can say, hey, I woke up today and I had this looming dread of just being alive. And all I wanted to do was reach for that bottle yeah. or reach for the heroin. Yeah. And instead, you just have someone there who's supporting you and saying, like, we've got this. We're, yeah. we're in this together. We can find different ways to do this that's not going to destroy your your body, yeah. your mind, and your relationships, right? True. 
I think the criminal aspect comes in when you get sober people selling it to vulnerable people. Yeah. That's criminal. So that's kind of, I agree. It's like the commercialization <laughs> yeah. of it, right? And that's kind of where I was really uncomfortable with the way the weed industry, you know, when it got legalized, it was like, hey, we're going to keep all the people that we imprisoned for this in jail with like Jeez. life sentences and shit. Yeah. But now we've got these like rich white people pushing it down people's throats. Oh like, God. you want weed, you want more weed, you want more yeah. weed. So I, I can, I think that's, that's very accurate yeah. to say that that's where the problem lies, the criminal problem lies. Yeah. And, uh, but yet we've, as a society, we've just been punishing and criminalizing those who are using it rather than really those who are pushing it, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, and I feel like people get all tripped up about like, oh, I'm going to get caught with drugs mm-hmm. when really like the feds don't give a shit if you have weed in your car. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're trying to get you on something bigger, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a reason to detain you for something bigger. But if you're mm-hmm. like generally a good person and you haven't done anything, maybe you had a speeding ticket and they find mm-hmm. weed in your car, they're like, okay, well, this dude seems pretty chill. I, like, I've I heard at this fine. point it's more of a nuisance for yeah. them to try and prosecute yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So it's, like, it's like, look, dude, just quit being an asshole. Yeah, quit being an asshole. Just stop making my job harder and go away. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's starting to turn that way. I think that's why I feel comfortable talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. And why I feel comfortable being more open about it now. Because, like, you know, I, I still know so many people who are like, yeah, th- these substances have saved my life, but I'm still horrified of using them in public. Yeah. Because it's, it could ruin my life. True. Um. And I think I think we're all just kind of as a social mind kind of moving away from that. I think that's well, really good. Well, and thing. any medicine should be taken mindfully. Oh. Even ibuprofen. Like yeah. you don't wanna just take it every day because you're worried you might get hurt. You oh. wanna take it when you start to feel something so that you can enjoy your day. Yeah. You know, like any drug your doctor prescribes should be mindful. You don't wanna like, oh, let me get prescribed Ritalin because I should. Yeah. You know, you want it to actually benefit you. And that way you can appreciate the things that you're taking so you can have a more valuable existence. I like that. I think, I think that key word of being mindful is so important because people really don't do that. They're just like, okay, I've, I've got this little schedule on the bottle that I need to follow and I'll just take it. (laughs) And it's like, well, actually, I'm, and I think that sort of disconnects people from their own feelings of their own body. And they're sort of like, I have to rely on this bottle and my doctor's orders in order to know how I'm feeling. And, uh, and I think the two have to work together. They have to oh, play together. Sure. Um, and being able to be mindful about that is super important. Well, and I think doctors get really, especially old school doctors, they get really caught up in the textbook aspect. They're like, well, this is what you have, so this is what you need. Mm. And they don't listen to their patients. I've, have, I've seen so many patients that come in switching doctors. Oh, I'm, yeah. this is my second opinion because my doctor's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time because doctors don't like to listen to what people are saying about their bodies because they went to school they got a degree they know more about your body than you know about your body yep and in some way that's true they -hmm. know the physiology the physics the biology they know it but you know how you feel yes and if you feel like taking this medication is making you numb then you need to find something else just because it's not making you want to kill yourself every day doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's not killing you slowly yeah i'm i'm really happy you're in the medical field then (laughs) we need so many more people that are minded like that because it's it's I, under, I kind of understand where these old school doctors are coming from because in the sense they're like, look, I have studied trends of yeah. human bodies. But that's the problem is that they're studying trends. They're yeah. not looking at the individual points that create those trends. Yeah. And so um, I think kind of what you're saying where if they're actually 
paying more attention like okay so this is your experience this is mm -hmm. what you're feeling then they can um they can appreciate that more and heal people heal people better yeah and actually i think that kind of brings me to my next point because like one of the um one of the things i wanted to ask you is i see in science and medicine this need to use empiricism or like all this overarching data or overarching knowledge to sort of impose that on people's lives and by doing so they they ignore people's like subjective experience and subjective beliefs and their philosophy yeah. so that's kind of where i wanted to ask you where does science and and philosophy intersect in your life where is it that you can see the trends understand what is happening but also get down to the nitty-gritty and understand like this is what's personally happening this is how i personally feel about it where do those intersect i guess yeah well it's different for medicine and for me personally yeah yeah um i mean medicine even in charts we have a subjective and an objective um portion oh, in the chart okay. so you say this person this person has a fever mm -hmm. and then they say how do you feel do mm -hmm. you feel hot Okay. And then you put that in the chart. So that's kind of cool how we've slowly started like actually putting people's because it actually just gives you more data. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good, right? <laughs> Honestly, like it's all about the data. Who cares how this person's really feeling? It gives us mm -hmm. more data of how they're responding to this. Thing. Okay. So that's how medicine views like the subjective objective aspect of that. But okay. me personally with science and philosophy, I think they simultaneously help each other and cancel each other out at the same time mm. like science has given us numbers and we love our numbers God. yeah we do we love them because they're so, <laughs> so reliable they feel so concrete yeah they do they feel so like well pr prove numbers it wrong. don't prove lie it wrong. Right? I dare you. <laughs> you know but they're based off of assumptions that we've made a long time ago mm, that is such a good point so People really forget that i think science likes to claim that they know everything mm-hmm but it's really just a nice story to make us feel better about what oh, we know nothing about. Yeah. So philosophy comes into the aspect of, well, how do you feel about what we know so far? And mm -hmm. I think the one quote that I always rely on is the more you learn, the less you know. Oh, yeah. So science is cool. It's interesting. It's intriguing. It makes my mind grow. It makes me mm -hmm. feel excited. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I have to know that science is also bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's constructed from a very limited understanding exactly no matter what we tell ourselves and it is concrete for our reality on this earth but yeah. that's the extent of it yeah for the real the fact that we apply our assumptions to the universe is ridiculous yeah it's pretty insane because it has no it, you can travel to a different galaxy and experience completely different laws of physics oh yeah so it's just, I don't know. Science but if you is, can calculate those laws of physics. But by God, and, bring the numbers back and it's solid. <laughs> I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that is such an important thing that we don't realize. You know, we've, we've seen what cool things science can do, like creating a fucking phone yeah. and like transporting internet. us across God. the world. The internet. Like we've seen these amazing things, but it's so important to realize that it's just based on these assumptions that we've all agreed on. Exactly. We're all just like, oh yeah, we know that, you know, this is this and this is this because we've built other assumptions off of that. Right. And I, cause it works. Yeah. Cause it works. It works. So, so why are we seen anything to the contrary yet? Right. Um, I love that. Cause I kind of like I was saying, when I left Mormonism, I had this full swing to just like science is God yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then, uh, and now I'm kind of having a swing back where I'm, I'm almost like, 
hesitant of science. I'm like, but I don't want to do that because I can see how science is valuable to us yeah. and what it has built for us. I'm just wondering what kind of things we can do to actually incorporate philosophy into yeah. into our use of science so that we're still maintaining an open mind. And so I'm really happy yeah. to hear you say that. Well, I just think people use science as an answer when really mm. it's a tool. Yeah, that's both, a good point. Both are. Science, yeah, yeah, philosophy, yeah. physics, mm-hmm. like art, everything is mm-hmm. a tool for existence. It's not the answer to like what happens after we die. <laughs> I like that because we really do try to co-opt that and say like, yep, see, we were able to explain this much. So obviously we know everything. Yeah. But it really is just a tool for expanding further and further. Yeah. And that just like your quote where the more you uh, learn, the less you know. Yeah. Because um, it's it's really interesting to me that that's kind of what science is doing is it's it's slowly pulling apart at the, like, the tapestry of reality. And we keep thinking that we'll find the end of it, but really we're just finding more and more and more exactly. and more and more and more. Yeah. And, and I kind of, and that's what makes me love it, but also not deify it. Well, it's say, interesting. Like, this is, yeah, it it's is. It's interesting to pull it's the so thread. It's so fascinating. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. cool. It engages your mind. It helps you grow. It's cool. And it helps but us. But should we put all of our, should we rely so heavily on it? I mean, I don't Probably know. Not. For our entire existence and our mm-hmm. idea of where we go after this, I don't think so. I, I like that. And I think it's it's sort of like a cultural response to just religion trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's good that you, at least you and I understand that. <laughs> Fuck everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's like, how do we really do that as a species? Because I think we keep trying to build overarching systems that are like this is the way we all have to do this and when kind of on an individual level i think all of us really know like well it doesn't have all the answers yeah we all just gotta try and figure it out it's true um when it's interesting when like scientists like einstein and hawking's you mm -hmm. know how they're like considered at the top of the science league right like there are quarterback big boys in the final minutes (laughs) of the football game you know what i mean but even they disagreed on mm. the existence of humanity. Hawkins was an atheist and Einstein believed in God. Oh. And so it just goes to show you that no matter how much science you unravel, you'll still never get to the bottom of the answer. I like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. That's kind of, that's actually something that um, I kind of mentioned earlier is like, there are things that just can't be known. Yeah. And I think people who are like religiously following science think, oh no, like, eventually we'll know everything through science yeah (laughs) and i i just don't see that being a possibility in fact there was a podcast with russell brand where he had um uh neil degrasse tyson on it oh and he asked him he was like he's like do you think there's anything that is unknowable he was like no oh my god (laughs) yeah we'll 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 get to a point with science where we'll know everything neil degrasse tyson's job is to sell science i yes he does he's not a scientist he sells science okay i yeah that is straight up exactly (laughs) what it is he, it's cool because he makes it accessible for people who just yeah. want to get into science, yeah. but it's exactly it. Yeah. He's a salesman for science. That's really, yeah, that's accurate. Because <laughs> he's really... the Pope of science. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Hopefully not, like, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I don't know, that's something that's been more interesting to me lately is understanding what might be considered unknowable. Yeah, Um, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. for me personally, I think it's the experience of consciousness Mm -hmm. um, because the the only experience of consciousness that we can actually know, at least from an individual sense, is our own consciousness, right? But science wants to try and 
say, no, we can explain consciousness. We can understand it like propositionally. We can understand someone else's conscious experience through empiricism, through You're empirical right. means, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is inherently impossible. And what I think is, it's, it's, it kind of brings them to the forefront. There's this thing called the hard problem of consciousness. Okay. Have you heard of that before? Is that like where consciousness sits inside of you or like just solving consciousness? Essentially, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's science trying to say, like trying to explain consciousness, but they don't have anything concrete yet. And so most scientists try to just like brush it off. They're like, ah, that's something like neurology and psychology will figure out at some point. Well, it's because science t scientists love their numbers and you can't mm. quantify something you can't measure. Oh, exactly. And you can't measure consciousness. That's the one thing we know, mm -hmm. given the tools we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I like to think about is what if we could quantify consciousness? Oh, this like, is what interesting. If technology went somehow we discovered some some new process to where you could measure energy in a way we never have before so for one thing we're kind of i mean from a very basic and rudimentary sense we're actually on the cusp of that with elon musk's uh neural net right because the idea is that we're going to be plugging a chip from our brain into the internet mm -hmm. so then they can collect data on every single neurological process in the brain so to them they think they're on the cusp of uh measuring and replicating consciousness. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that actually brings us to kind of AI and simulation theory. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I think simulation theory is bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like to think about it. It's mm -hmm. really fun to think about. I think so too. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's what's happening. It could be. Yeah. You know, I think all it possibilities matter, right? are possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if it was, if simulation theory was a thing, we're, we're so, still insignificant in the matter if someone were able to create infinite universes given the technology do you think they'd still give a shit about us no. personally no no we're probably like in a vial in someone's science cupboard like <laughs> yes. in an elementary school <laughs> yes you know what i mean like it's just it just doesn't matter yeah so if simulation theory is true cool <laughs> that is that is so important because I've actually uh, I was on Reddit and some guy like it was in the consciousness subreddit and this guy was like freaking out he's like guys I had a dream that I'm in a simulation it was so vivid guys I'm like freaking that's out that's called a vision and yeah it's, and it's actually scripture oh <laughs> shit I didn't realize I was dealing with yeah. fucking Muhammad there oh damn yeah it's the new Jesus Christ oh okay actually. oh shit I shouldn't have talked him down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta keep yeah. coming. Uh, but it was funny because at some point I'm like, dude, for one thing, you have to sit and think, what are you freaking out about? Yeah. What can you do about it? Let's say all of it is real. Yeah. What are you going to do now? You're yeah. going to probably start some cult that's like, I know everything. <laughs> Give me power. Yeah. And suck my dick. Exactly. <laughs> that's the key. That's the key right there. <laughs> so I think that's important to know that. Um, Simulation theory, it's interesting, but it yeah. probably doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> no, and it's fun to talk about. It and is. And it's fun to theorize about, like, oh, yeah. what if, what if, what if. What ifs are great. I love them. Yeah. They're, they're really entertaining. Mm -hmm. But um, they yeah. don't really get us anywhere. They're yeah, not, they're it's not true. creating anything concrete for us in any way. We might make a lot of money making a simulation religion. Uh, actually, let's go for it then. Because <laughs> that's all that matters to me. Because <laughs> if we have to live in capitalism, let's utilize it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Might as well, you know, what you can know, I do about bask it? Bask in the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, God. I love that. But kind of bringing back to at least artificial intelligence and trying to 
I guess, create consciousness through yeah. the neural net. I mean, have you have you even heard about kind of what Elon Musk is trying to do with that? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of, <clears throat> it's funny because he's just sort of like, I want to see if I can do it, you know? <laughs> like, it. let's God. fucking do it, let's right? see if you can do it. <laughs> and, but I had a really interesting conversation with my friend about this because we were like, oh, is that going to create human consciousness? But what we sort of led to is that it actually creates a new type of consciousness that is now becoming unmeasurable from its own right mostly because like human consciousness as we kind of understand it if we try to fumble around with the idea is gonna have to one thing consist on the idea that we're we know we're gonna die yeah but if you're able to like collect all the data on our neurological processes which i mean i might even question whether that is consciousness yeah but um if we're going to collect all this data on our neurological processes and then replicate it into a type of being that may not die yeah. or at least doesn't have to worry about doesn't death. Doesn't lose its consciousness. Yeah, it doesn't lose That's its consciousness. That's what we consider death, I guess. Yeah, right? That's actually um, a tangent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> not even good because I want to go there. Yeah. But I guess what I was trying to say is... Um, it will like it will create a new type of consciousness yeah. because they're fundamentally like okay i am now existing as what simply yeah. a replicated nathan jones that no longer <laughs> has to worry about eating right. uh, sleeping you know drinking stuff like that but um what was kind of interesting oh my god take me back to what you're going to say or what you said cuz i oh I loss wanna... of consciousness is death yes okay so uh when i was tripping with my cousin on mushrooms one of the things he kept saying is he's like, is death an illusion? Ooh. Yeah. He's like, like, what, that. what is dying? Yeah. He's like, what, what, like, I don't understand why is me losing this sense of self dying? And I, I thought that was so profound. Yeah. And I so think important. of that too when I trip. Yeah. Like, especially with DMT being our gateway to the next life. <laughs> have you done DMT? No, I just have heard that that's what you trip on when you mm-hmm, die. Mm-hmm. And my roommate and I were talking last night, actually, we were getting super high on weed. Hell yeah. And we were thinking like the best way to die would be an overdose on something because you're tripping, 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 tripping. And then suddenly DMT kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> and shit and the transition the is just like seamless. Oh, and then yeah. you exist forever in that moment, even if it ends right there. Oh. Like, as far as you would know, and your conscious Mm -hmm. would know, you would stop existing in that moment of the height of your DMT trip. If, if what's after this is a dirt nap. Mm -hmm. A dirt nap. Then that's, (laughs) I love that. Then that's what you would. I think that's interesting because you you have to wonder what it is that is experiencing that then at that point. Because is it you? Yeah. Um, And you have to wonder what the self is. Have you ever reached a point on psychedelics where you lost your sense of self? Bro. Yes. Did you? Yes. <laughs> it was like scary, but really informative. It was oh, yeah. interesting. It's it's absolutely amazing because, I mean, for one thing, we live in an individualist culture. And so we're kind of curated around this idea that this self that we think of that's existing right now yeah. is everything, right? And uh, and being able to have an experience that lets you just turn that off yeah, and be like, oh, whoa, you are so much bigger than this this single body right yeah dude (laughs) it's taking me back oh i'm so glad (laughs) that's all i wanted it's really one of the best moments it really is it's like so freeing Mm -hmm. and it's so peaceful yeah it is because you're like it doesn't matter what's after this Mm because sense of self is stupid (laughs) yeah it is It's, it's so fleeting it's just like really it's just like a 
maladaptive trait trying to help this body try to make sure it doesn't fucking die. Well, it's organizing. It's mm-hmm. just quantifying reality. In order to just maintain itself, I guess. Yeah, in order to function. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do... I think it's really important that people understand why that is so um, uh, freeing and, like, uh, healthy, especially yeah. in coping with death. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will actually administer psychedelics specifically to help, like, people who are either uh, about to die or have uh, dealt with people that have died. And I think it's for that same reason, because yeah. they're able to just see, like, oh, like, this self is not everything and this pain i feel is an experience it's not everything right and i think that's super valuable it really is it really is and something that trips me out is specifically with death Mm -hmm. i think death is really trippy for a lot of people because it's happened to trillions of people oh yeah and trillions of billions of organisms Mm -hmm. yet we know nothing about it because we're terrified of it not only that you can't measure it yeah we don't know where they go (laughs) where the fuck do they go we're just like okay this is what a being looks like and it stopped doing that that's death that's we'll just leave it at that yeah and i actually when i did shrooms and i lost my sense of self i actually got really scared of Mm -hmm. death i got terrified because i'm like well shit man like i will never know yeah and but something that brought me a lot of peace was the fact that if death was scary people would scream Oh, I actually like that. It's poetic. Yeah, like it it would be terror and you would see terror in people's eyes as they're dying. When really, like, I don't know if you've seen people die, but when they die, they're actually very calm. Really? And very peaceful. And they kind of just, depending on how they die, obviously, if your legs are crushed, you're going to be scared. Yeah, that'd be fucking terrible. Right, (laughs) but like cancer, for instance, you're Mm -hmm. in a hospice, you're on a morphine drip, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're just slipping away. It's very peaceful. And they talk about it. That's awesome. Like, because they're slowly slipping. Oh, yeah. Hey, my cousin's here to come get me. Like, they say wow. weird shit. And I don't know if it's a slow drip from the DMT kicking in a week Maybe. before you die. I don't know. I think that's but so fascinating. It though. made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's not going to be scary. And I think you'll accept it when it comes. I think that's so cool. And I think for one thing, what we, what my cousin and I realized on that one trip is we were like, you know, we, we sort of see this self that exists or is alive that we die once our conscious awareness of ourself turns off. Yeah. But after that happens, all of the cells that composed that and created that experience and made it possible are going to just disintegrate and return back to the universe. Yeah. And so, like, we're kind of inherent within all of those pieces that are going back into the yeah. universe. And it kind of made me think of what we were talking about in the car uh, you know, seeing that bloated deer, yeah, and, and like how the the <laughs> bacteria, how the bacteria was eating it, yeah, that was itself. It was, I guess, in a way, still alive. Yeah, like its, oh, its cells sure. and its organisms were still like raging against the dying life. Yeah. <laughs> the symbiotic relationship was still actually thriving yeah. more than it probably had ever thrived. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not getting the, nutrition out here. Yeah, it's suddenly the feast. The bacteria are like, holy shit, why haven't we done this sooner? Oh, damn. Is that what we're doing right now? Just keeping our cells at bay from eating us alive? Well, and what's interesting is like flies will come by, they'll lay their eggs, the eggs will eat the bacteria, the bacteria live on forever. Like oh in the worms, in the fly. It's fucking See? crazy. I love that. And so it's like, do we ever really die? We or might not. Are we, or are we just actually, we're just having recycled. a phase shift? Yeah. Yeah, we're recycled. Um, I, I like to that. think that my energy, I like to think consciousness is like a bulk of energy. Mm. 
and this is like a joke that makes me feel better about death. <laughs> but like maybe when you die, your energy is like recycled into someone's fart. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just you meaningless. Know you know, <laughs> it's just energy. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna end up as someone's fart greatest, whether you like it or not. Might be the greatest roller yeah. of your life. <laughs> Honestly, you could be the fart of like an emperor oh my god elon musk's fart dude <laughs> like honestly that's really all i want to be hell yeah if that's what i amount to then so be it <laughs> oh that's hilarious that's so i think i like that because i what i think conscious energy is or conscious energy of consciousness is is actually just a a fixated or a localized point of experience right yeah. so with that i sort of I guess let me backtrack because I, we are just very complex fixated points of experience. We yeah. have vision, we have smell, we have taste, we have uh, hearing and touch, you know, and we even have more intricate senses even like, even than that, um, especially with the way that our cognition works and everything. So we are just very complex, but a lot of people, especially like science believes that consciousness comes from the brain, that it is uh, generated in the brain. But what I think is happening is the brain is more like a radio or a transceiver mm. and it is receiving conscious output input and then processing it through a subjective experience. Yeah. And so I kind of think that that is inherent within all aspects of this universe. Yeah. That everything is just a point of conscious attention. And we're just at a very specific range and we're experiencing it from that range. Yeah. And I think what's cool about that is just it, that, that's kind of what helps me overcome any fear of death mm. because it's like my consciousness will just shift. Uh, it will, it'll degrade and break down into maybe uh, the cells of a, you know, my, my own uh, bacteria and yeah. just the organisms within me. And rather than those cells having a stupid narrative about whether <laughs> Sally liked my dress or not. Um, it's going to be like, okay, I got to survive. It's time to eat. It's time to, mm -hmm. and then it's just a whole new experience of reality. Yeah. And like, honestly, I think that's what, uh, I mean, I think that's what God is. Mm. is. It's just all of those subjective experiences of the universe all happening at once. And so we are God in that sense that we are receiving that input and experiencing ourselves through a subjective lens yeah and um i think it's cool because for one thing it's kind of hard to turn that into like a totalitarian like regime because yeah. <laughs> it's like oh actually your opinion is just as valid as mine yeah um but also uh it helps us i think conquer death and the or the fear of death yeah and sort of embrace it and for see it sure. as very valuable to us well and it's interesting how you say like um perceiving input mm-hmm because studying biology, I've had to learn a lot about animals like, yeah. and how they perceive their input. Mm -hmm. And it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Because we think we're special. <laughs> <laughs> we think we're special because we've made our reality into something we find complex. Mm -hmm. When an ant looks at a building and sees it the same as a tree. Yeah. Like, like other animals have colonies that are super complex. And just because we don't understand how they talk to each other doesn't mean that they're equally intelligent mm -hmm. and equally unintelligent, worried about death. Yeah. How do we know? Maybe their death, maybe they do know how we die. Yeah. Oh, that would be like, interesting. The fact of intelligent beings is stupid to me because we quantified it ourselves. So, of yeah. course, we're going to win in yeah. that category. <laughs> we're like, okay, so we're clearly intelligent. Yeah, we're clearly the smartest. <laughs> Everyone else is dumb. I made the chart. <laughs> And biology was cool because it, like, made me realize that 
intelligence is actually everywhere. The oldest tree in the world is 5,000 years old, oh. over 5,000 years old. Oh. Is it I've, in the old growth forest? In it's in, no, it's in California, oh. Northern California. Wow. Yeah. I think it's like a bristle, bristle cone pine. Anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's cool. But I feel like that's its own form of intelligence is conquering time. Ooh, I like that. Cause we, that's like our biggest thing that we're trying to overcome is time. Well, we degrade so quickly. What mm -hmm. do we do? Trees have mastered it. They, they get left the fuck alone. Like they have symbiotic relationships with tons of different things. And then you can live 5,000 years. Like imagine the wisdom yeah. coming from that. I, that. I really like thinking about that sometimes. Just like the point of reference that that tree must have in some aspect is just like, cause 5,000 years to it is a lifetime. Yeah. It's the same as it is for us, you know? Right. So it's just kind of like dilated, but also like they're stuck in one place. And, uh, and that was something I was, there's this, um, uh, journalist, Michael Pollan, who, um, he's wrote a lot of books on like plants and, um, specifically lately how they like alter our minds. So we started getting into psychedelics and things like mm. that. But one of the things he was talking about is the intelligence of plants. And it's kind of what you're talking about where since it had to be, uh, immobile and just standing in that one place, it had to develop very, very specific intelligences that we just don't think of as intelligence. Yeah. Like being able to communicate with other trees in a forest. Right. Like, um, and that's kind of what's cool about mushrooms too, is they create this mycelial network that actually oh, yeah. helps the trees talk to each other. Right. And, um, and it was just super cool to think of it that way because you can see how there are different types of intelligences that we just don't understand and that we can actually be fascinated by and learn yeah. a lot from. It's really cool. Well, in Avatar, they mentioned that, how they're oh, studying the, the yes. networks of trees. Yes. Like, what a dumb... And the movie's actually cool, but, like, uh -huh. what a simple idea. It was portrayed very simply, but the mm -hmm. concept is really deep. And yeah. it was cool. Because, like, this whole alien civilization relied on the trees. Yes. Because that was their... In intelligence mm -hmm. it was so cool i think it's really cool too because they they probably they had to see themselves as a as a part of that tree yeah you know they couldn't fully go like oh i am that tree like obviously i'm separate and relying upon it but like there was just a deep connection in nature through that and uh, i guess that's something i feel like we've really lost yeah. as a society we and have. as a culture um and I think there's something super valuable in having it. Oh, for sure. Um, because by being able to see what you're wholly relying upon, it's easier for us not to destroy it. Oh, true. Yeah, if you look at each tree as like a grandpa, then you're like, well, shoot, I can't I cut can't that just down. Cut that down, yeah. <laughs> and I think also, like, did you ever, I don't know, when I was a kid, since I didn't grow up on a farm or I didn't like have any, uh, like I was a suburban kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I literally thought that food came from a grocery store, you know? Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait, so, did you know, like, you didn't know meat was from animals? No. Oh, like, okay. Like, obviously, I learned that maybe, like, I don't know. Like, like, yeah, like at some point. Like, some yeah. point, I know that now. <laughs> but there's, I hope there's, so. Like, there's just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 it's not me. <laughs> but, um, there, like, I see how that created such a very simple disconnection for me. Mm -hmm. Because I was able to say, like, oh, it's okay, you know, like, to clear away trees to make houses because I can, you know... I can get my food from here. Those two aren't connected to me. Yeah. But when you started to see, but I think when we can see like, oh, we actually, all of the food we get, all that cultivation is actually coming from nature. Then we can actually say, oh, we have to protect it. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because only synthetic stuff will only take us so far. Oh yeah. And synthetic stuff, everything comes back to nature, even mm -hmm. our synthetic stuff. 
all comes the chemicals from nature, we get, right? everything we get comes mm-hmm. from nature. So if we destroy it, then we're fucked. Yeah, exactly. Then suddenly we have to become cavemen again. And that's <laughs> and mass extinction number six. <laughs> Man, we already gone through five extinctions. Mm-hmm. Five Ooh. mass extinctions. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Where I think it's, I forget the percentage, but I think it's over 45% of species get extinct in one event. Oh, okay. And we're actually... Um, currently in the sixth mass extinction humans have um created an environment that has made a substantial percentage of species go extinct and so it's a slow burn instead of a huge explosion but it's still considered the sixth mass extinction is human existence yeah we're just we're annihilating habitat where and it's not just modern humans ever since humans like became intelligent beings theoretically you know ten thousand years ago Mm we've just seen a slow decline mm-hmm. in, and I don't see it as a decline. I see it as like just shift. a shift mm-hmm. into a different kind of living. But I think that's, I think that's important to remember. Um, cause you know, we can't get too caught up. And I think it's weird when people are like, humans are evil. Like <laughs> they're destroying the planet and killing everybody. It's like, we're just, we're just trying to exist and we're thinking we're becoming more efficient at it. And we're just we're, a virus yeah. that wants to spread in a way. Yeah, we yeah. really are. Cause we are just trying to, you know, consume resources and grow our populace and we just i think we're getting to the point though that we can actually transcend that yeah and uh and maybe and create a symbiotic relationship yes make it more symbiotic than parasitic yeah yeah because we are a parasite right now we are we're just leeching resources without replenishing anything and i think we're definitely capable of changing it especially when there's people with mass amounts of wealth and resources that could easily be redistributed to to help people yeah um yeah, I think that's super important. But, um, oh, there was a point I wanted to get to. It's okay, though. Um, it's hot. It is hot. It and is my hair toasty. is, like, drying, so it's humid around my head. It's just getting head. toasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I have a, just a couple more questions. Okay, and yeah. And we can probably, like, call it. Sounds good. Um, so I did want to get to, uh, maybe this is a good segue, because... I did want to get to where you see biology taking humanity in the future. Like, what do you think biology's vision is for humanity? Hmm. I think biology only exists if humans exist. Mm. Because we're the only ones that actually care about it. Yeah, and are observing it. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing as pulling a thread. We'll never get to the bottom of biology. It's not a solvable ology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um because there's always going to be questions, mm-hmm. especially with consciousness. That's, yeah. I feel, very biological aspect, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe we'll be able to achieve immortality. Mm-hmm. You Whatever know. that is. Yeah, maybe we'll be able to save all the species. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll be able to build utopia. become symbiotic, mm-hmm. world peace, whatever. Who knows? But realistically, I don't think any of that's possible. Mm-hmm. And biology is kind of... Um, in the hierarchy of sciences, it's rather low. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, physics, mathematics, and engineering tend to be, like, really high up there. Yeah. Because that's what is considered human growth, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what, it can how, be commercialized for exactly. one thing. And biology is, again, coming back to nature that we're destroying. Yeah. So, people don't really like to learn about biology. And I don't know. I think if... Like name one name one brilliant scientist who's the Elon Musk of biology. I feel like I should know this. None of us do. That's the problem. <laughs> even I'm a biologist and I don't even know our modern day like biologist oh. man. Like I'm just saying it's not 
a forefront science. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see it huge advancements coming from discovering biology. Okay. If anything, it would just be more we have to learn in school. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I having to take this general ed? Yeah. I don't give a shit about biology. <laughs> For real. But medicine is really the most applicable aspect of it. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So immortality probably is the farthest we could get with biology. Isn't that kind of like... To me, that sounds so dystopian when it's like, I guess what we'll really do is just find a way to keep humans alive so we can keep, like, churning them through a system. So we can be more miserable for longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm actually curious how you, how you feel about that because, you know, in the medical field, I know that there's sort of this, uh, it's sort of like the doctor's... Um, I, I wish I could describe this better. It's sort of the fact they have to help people. Oh, the Hippocratic Oath. That's what it is. The Thank Hippocratic you. Hippocratic Oath, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... The idea that, you know, we kind of will create palliative care, but we won't actually, you know, help someone die. Right. So I, I kind of want to know what you think about that and where you stand on that. Yeah, that's I've it's really interesting because recently I had watched a documentary about old age mm-hmm. um, for a class. And a lot of the old, old people in there were like, dude, once you've been on this earth for 90 years, like you're kind of done. Yeah. Like the experiences are dried up things get less exciting, like you're ready to find out what's next. Yeah. And I think um, palliative care is like a wish of the living. Like Mm, the living feel guilty because they want to live and so they want (sighs) them to live. That makes sense. Instead of, again, coming back to asking the person, how do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because we do. We have people who are 102 years old. They can't walk. They get their diaper changed every day. They have a feeding tube down their nose. Like we go to ridiculous lengths to give someone their basic needs without realizing their higher needs. Yeah, Like because that's not life. No, it's not. And I like how recently we've, maybe in the past... 20 years or so we've been really transitioning into quality of life Mm. instead of life that's good and palliative care has really looked at quality of life same with oncology Mm -hmm. you know cancer studies they actually offer patients now instead of like well we're going to do radiation and chemo they say well here's an option you can do radiation and chemo and get quality of life years they actually calculate instead of living years they calculate these are how many years you're going to have that are quality and then you're going to have a year of wasting away and dying okay (laughs) i think that's such an important step it really is the fact that they're actually taking that into consideration instead of just like we need to extend the life of this like crumbling body as much as possible it's just cruel without realizing like how the person feels about it because Mm -hmm. it's illegal to technically help them die And, and I, I understand the slippery slope of right, like, right, right. like, we can just kill whoever we want. It's doctor of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's good that we're taking steps to understand that there is much more than just a mechanical understanding of what life is. Exactly. And uh, that actually kind of reminds me of something we talked about in your in the chat on your, um, on your post mm. was kind of what we consider to be life and what we consider to be death. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because I, I think... It's, you know, we're able to say like, oh, life is this, but we only understand that through our own subjective lens, right? Right. And I, I remember from really basic biology, like, what was it, like the six tenets of like what makes something alive? Oh, and yeah. to do with like, it's like being able to reproduce. Um, yeah. So it's being able to reproduce. It's being able to harvest resources, mm-hmm. being able to um, react to your surroundings. Mm. Um, those are the three I remember. I think there's four. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, but that's yeah, essentially that's the baseline, and it's like those make sense because of all of the schemas we've created that we say this is life, this is life. Okay, what's connecting all of them? These four tenets. Right. But I think it was really cool that you were able to understand like, oh yeah, that that can't just 
like we don't even know what life is yeah. or what death is. Mm-hmm. So or what non-life is, I guess. Um, and so, <laughs> <A> rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think that it's it's really important that we are starting to question those things more so that we can actually get more out of what we understand as life. Yeah. Especially in terms of like palliative care for people that oh, are dying. Oh, for sure. Well, and it's funny because the more I learn about biology, the more ridiculous I think it is, but I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it is the study of living things. And mm-hmm. so obviously you have to follow the tenets of life to understand what we consider living mm-hmm. and why it lives. But like something I thought of recently was we don't know what our universe is. Mm. For all we know, we could be a quark on an electron. Yeah. And we could be a rock. Mm-hmm. Like, we just don't know. I, I and love that. so living to me is so arbitrary because, mm-hmm. again, we're the one who made the spreadsheet. So, of course, we're going to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just funny how we keep making these structures Mm -hmm. to fall under and then we categorize our reality into them and we're always at the top Uh we're always at the top because we think we're special (laughs) it's just it's ego (laughs) and life is arbitrary because it's a Mm -hmm. word we made up and it we gave it a meaning and the fact that we gave it meaning means nothing yeah i I totally (laughs) understand that and i i think it's i think it's really good that you recognize that because it's really more i think it's really important that um, I think we we already kind of covered this, but the idea that we just know where these specific scientific disciplines are limited and where we know what they can achieve based on the specific agreements that we already made with them, yeah. based on the assumptions that we already made yep. with them. Um, because, yeah, we could just find out that we are just a quirk on a rock or we something. We really could. <laughs> like, seriously, we could be the this, this cell inside yeah. of someone bigger. Yeah. and And I think that's... It's funny because I've talked with people and I'm like, oh, what do you think God is? And they're like, well, I don't think it's some like big scary man in the sky. And it's like, I mean, maybe we are just some <laughs> cell inside of like this big behemoth that is God. But, yeah. Or what we might think of as a God. Um, but I think that's just like more about the complexity of the overall universe than yeah. it is like, oh, we need to worship and <laughs> like crave this thing. Oh, God, what do you want me to do today? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. You are literally a cell in yeah, my pants. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah. I just need you to process this potassium. Thanks. <laughs> that is your that would function. Be cool. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, have you watched Rick and Morty at all? Yes. Okay. Were you just thinking about the butter dish thing? Or the, the robot with the butter dish? Oh, no. But okay, I was I'll... thinking about his battery for his car. Oh yes, and the miniverse and the yes, and how their entire existence is to create energy to battery to it's power, power his car. car, and then they built another civilization, uh, they built an even th- tinier universe to pa- <laughs> to power their tiny universe. Oh, it's turtles all the way down. Yeah, and I love it. I so think that's much. what we're doing. Yeah, and po- for all we know, for right? all we know, why does it matter? I think uh, that's so. I, it's fun because I like to play with these concepts and have this like little mental gymnastics, like oh, what if, what yeah. if, and um, you know, I've talked with people who. Um, We'll get excited about that and be like, oh, maybe that is what it is. And it's fun, but then, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, well, we still got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. We still got shit to do, bills to yeah. pay. Yeah, you know? exactly. We have to live in the society we created. And mm-hmm. Ultimately, nothing matters, and that brings yeah. me peace. Awesome. That's fair. <laughs> I guess to, to finish this out, yeah. I, um, the reason I made this podcast is because I'm... I'm wholly unhappy with the systems and the society that we've created because I really think that it's not benefiting anyone mm-hmm. but a small, like, hegemony of people mm-hmm. that are curating the systems society for us. And part of me is tired of thinking that the only way that we can change the world is through destruction. Um, and that's why I think a kindness rebellion is sort of required because I think we need to stop saying 
my way of the world is more important and I need to destroy everything and impose that on everything. But I want to help us all build a new world together that we actually believe will benefit everyone. Yeah. So I want to know what you think a vision for humanity could be. Something that we can all rally behind. Something that you could rally behind to, to help us improve the world. I think one thing that I've learned working in a large hospital... Mm -hmm. I've encountered a lot of different people. Yeah. And unfortunately, the thing that I've learned is people are so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. So stupid. Yeah. Like in the middle of the pandemic, when people were scared, I had a patient come in and say, why is everybody wearing masks? And I was like, what do you mean? mean, (laughs) Because obviously you must know what's going on. (laughs) No, they were in an underground bunker for the last three years. I'm not kidding. They legit had no idea what What? was going on. They're like, what do you mean a virus? Like they had no idea. And those people are everywhere. So for me, the thought of building an ideal, there's ideal is flawed because Mm. everybody wants something different. Yeah. So corralling these cats to something productive seems exhausting. And I don't know if it's worth it for me personally. Mm -hmm. I find that my ideal humanity is what's happening right now because I can't change it. Yeah. And I think I can change myself to be Mm. um, better for people around me, spreading love, telling people I love them, doing favors for people when they need it. I Mm -hmm. think just Oh, that's why I wore my love shirt today. Because nice. that's the only currency of the universe is love. Awesome. It's the only thing that matters. So I, agree. I I don't think building anything is gonna help. Mm-hmm. I think going back to the basic level of humanity of love is the only thing that's gonna help us do anything you at know, all. It's funny because I um I I hear what you're saying in that we don't really need to build systems around that. Um but I, I kind of like I, I wholly agree. Cause like our society and our culture now thinks of love as a childish thing. Yeah. Something that we just should push off and not really pay attention to or value at all, really. Um, It's something personal that you should deal with, and I agree with that, but it's also something that we should learn how to embody as a culture, I think. And um, I think think you're right. It's, It's too difficult to try and corral people into a... A system that I think is ideal, right. but that maybe most people don't. Exactly. So kind of what I'm hearing from that, though, is like we need to allow more freedom. We need to allow more freedom to love, yeah. more freedom to create and have kindness and compassion. Right. Um, would you say that that's kind of what you f- feel about that? Yeah. I, yeah, I think... Um and ultimately, this sounds kind of archaic, but mm-hmm. if love is the only thing that matters, then rules don't exist at all. Yeah, they don't. Because technically, if you love someone and they want to go, like, abort their baby, then that's okay. Yeah. And if you love your baby and you don't want to abort it, then that's okay. Yeah. Because love transcends laws, and yeah. love transcends our reality, really. It does. It's just, like, being okay with what it is because you care for that person's existence more than your own. Mm, I think that's important. And like, if that can just be the foundation for humanity, if that's just what we can all agree on and actually prioritize, I think we can change the world. Oh, for sure. That's why I, I want, I wish everybody would just tell someone every day that they love them Mm. because it's something we don't hear enough. Oh yeah. And everybody craves it. The one thing I've learned like seriously in school is that every single person craves love in some capacity of course that's what happiness is is Mm -hmm. receiving 
love and validation from other people because mm -hmm. it makes you feel like you matter yeah in a world where the odds are against you yeah. mattering and it's and also just giving that love too i the other day um Alyssa and i were like stoned off our asses but yeah. we, were, we were talking about my mom yeah and i was just like god, god i love your mom <laughs> No. I love your mom. I love my mom. She's so good. <laughs> so I called her yeah. and I told her, I'm like, mom, you're amazing. You've, you've, uh, you've taught me how to love people unconditionally and, yeah. and how to just like understand that everyone's in need and everyone just needs love. And she was just crying. She's just like, She's I needed amazing. that today. Your mom taught me how to love oh strangers unconditionally. I love that. I love that. And I've, ha I've only interacted with her twice. Maybe. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Oh, so powerful. Like she's really good at that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my parents have also really taught me how to love unconditionally the people that are close to you because mm -hmm. you want to control the people close to you. Yeah. But my parents have taught me about the people, you know, kind of letting them live. Mm -hmm. But your mom taught me how to love everybody. Yeah. I love that. Which is I, crazy. I'll never forget your mom. That, ever. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that'll make her very happy yeah. too. Cause that's just, that's just so her. It's, she might not even remember me. Probably. Like God, it's been years, seven, eight, nine. Oh my God. Has it been 12 years? Maybe. When? Yes. When you, I was 12. Were you really? I was 12 when I met your mom. It's yeah, been it's 12, like 12 years. 12 or 13 years. Holy shit. And I've seen her twice and she still has that impression on me. Isn't <laughs> that crazy? That. I love that. <laughs> that, is, that is who my mom is. Yeah. And, uh, Man, if you're watching this, I love you. Yeah, Thank you so we much. love you. <laughs> <sighs> cool. That's so great. <laughs> Thanks, parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that might be a good place to end it. Yeah, I like that. Sweet. That's sweet. Thank you so much, Mariah. Oh, that was fun. This was hella fun. Yeah. I really appreciate I'm it. I'm dying to And it is getting toasty. Yeah. It is getting very toasty getting right now. Getting humid. That's for... Oh, shit. Oh, God. I forgot it was under my...